It is another special edition of Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Wednesday night, Twins finish off a two-game sweep of the Blue Jays in the wildcard round. Um, another really enjoyable, interesting game. Two to nothing, the final score in this one. All sorts of moments, all sorts of kind of what-ifs, debatable strategies, everything like that. I'll get to a bunch of that in a little while. Lavelle E. Neal III, uh, Star Tribune columnist, longtime Twins writer from the Star Tribune, will join me here in a little bit. We'll talk about kind of all of the biggest moments and look ahead, too, to the Houston series, the American League Division series, starting Saturday in Houston. Big news for the Twins is, I mean, they, not only do they advance, they do it in two games. They kind of reset their rotation. All the bullpen guys get two days off. So really ideal circumstances how they got there though was completely foreign to me i'm going to read a whole bunch of your tweets here in a minute i asked you for some tweets but how they got to this point how they won these two games was completely foreign to me as an observer of pretty much every twins playoff game for the last 20 years including all 18 yes of that post-game losing streak every if not every almost every it seemed like it felt like every single of those kind of quirky, strange plays that happens in the postseason, those moments, those what-if moments, those like the ones that stick with you, those kind of momentum-changing, kind of series-turning plays, those all, at least as I remember, all of them went in the Twins' favor in this series. They got a bunch of them. Yesterday, of course, the big play being Carlos Correa saving a run with his heads-up defensive play on Tuesday. In Wednesday's game, there were a bunch of those moments. There's a questionable decision by the Blue Jays to take out Jose Barrios in the fourth inning, which leads to the only two runs of the game. But beyond that, you've got um, Sonny Gray picking off Vlad Guerrero Jr. to end the fifth inning. He and again, Carlos Correa teaming up on that. Correa all over the field today had the only RBI hit. The other one coming in on a double play. The only RBI hit got the Twins on the board. He was huge in this game. Then, of course, the sixth inning is the one that's going to stick with me for a while. Toronto loads the bases. Kind of seems like they have the Twins where they want them with the pitching matchups, with everything like that. Caleb Thielbar has to stay in the game with the bases loaded and one out. Matt Chapman at the plate hits a screaming liner down the third baseline. You're thinking, okay, that's not good. This is going to tie the game at the very least. Goes foul by maybe a foot, two feet at the most. A-Rod on the broadcast is talking about how it reminded him of the Phil Cuzzy call in 2009 when he's with the Yankees and, uh, you know, obviously the one that went against Joe Maurer. You're thinking they're bringing up all the bad mojo, all the bad stuff, but that was a foul ball. It was the correct call. Next pitch grounds into a double play. You go from almost being tied to out of the inning with no damage. Those are the kinds of things that went against the Twins for almost two decades, for 18 games. They are suddenly going their way. And I don't know if this is a reversal of fortune, if this is the type of team the Twins have, because they do have players, have a roster that seems to be better built for the postseason, which I want to get to in a minute, a point I made um, on an earlier show this week. But all of those moments, Carlos Correa in the middle of a lot of them, but all of those moments, I can't tell if it's because of kind of how they're built, what they're what they're made for, what they're ready for, or if it is some of these kind of kind of some of 18 games worth of of I don't know, bad luck, bad mojo, bad timing, bad everything kind of coming back to the Twins in the right direction. Kind of like the Vikings last season if I might make a comparison there, but 
the bottom line is this the the plays that I don't remember them making the the pitches I don't remember them making getting out of situations getting themselves into scoring situations and capitalizing those quirky weird postseason moments those are all going for the twins right now and that is a powerful force and it leads to a lot of what you had to say here in your comments i asked you after the game i said hell of a two games post-game podcast coming up shortly that's what you're listening to right now if you don't mind twins fans fill in the rest of this sentence with a full sentence after joan duran struck out the final batter wednesday i felt I'm just going to read through all of these. When I get to one that strikes me as something I want to expand on, I will do that. I also, in a minute, want to get to some interesting Kirk Cousins comments from Wednesday, um, talking about going to the Twins game on Tuesday, feeling that energy, because I think it kind of goes into this whole dynamic of what fans are experiencing at Target Field right now. Comment, thrilled for many of my friends and deeply hopeless for my Royals. Yeah, it kind of reminds you right there that the Twins, as bad as it's been at times, the Royals, yeah, I know they got one in 20, you know, 24, 14, 2015, those were some great Royals teams, but it's been pretty hopeless since then. The Twins have consistently at least been pretty good to be in this spot. Um, Amazed, relief, aches that weren't there the last time the Twins won a series. I feel you on that. It's been 20, 21 years since they even won a series. Never mind that uh, that streak of you know of post game losses. A lot of a lot of series losses in there. But you know, even going back to 2002, they lost the ALCS to the Angels. 2003. Division series to the Yankees, things like that. We were all much younger. Like I was in my 20s when that happened. I am now in my mid 40s. There is a big difference in how you feel, what is going on in your life between the last time they won a playoff series and right now. Like I didn't believe what I'd just seen. Relief wash over me in an awesome wave. Chills. Those goes. Those are all like kind of speaking to what I was speaking to at the beginning, like these are plays, these are moments that we have not seen from the Twins. There's been so many moments where they've been close in these games, so many woulda, coulda, shoulda moments that have gone against them that all went their way, and I think fans are in a little bit of disbelief right now. Like they're officially playing with house money now, and they're going to, at minimum, make Houston work for it, if not advance. I think that's a good point. I mean, the the downside of this is Houston has been resting, getting a chance to completely set their rotation. Twins will probably have to pitch either Joe Ryan or Bailey Ober. Not bad options, but they won't be able to have one of their frontline starters in Saturday's opener because neither one of them would be on full rest. They could pitch Pablo Lopez in Game 2 on regular rest, but Houston's going to have a lot of advantages. Playoff experience. Setting their rotation. Verlander's been really good lately. They've got they got some tough pitching in the Twins. For all that they did right in this series, didn't hit all that much. So there's going to be a lot going against them. But I like the way they're playing right now. I like their bullpen, and I like the intangible. So I agree, this is going to be a series, and I give the Twins a chance to advance. Back pain, yeah, it kind of goes along with the aging. Like I could cry for six hours. I don't know if I'd cry for six hours if I was if I was you. But that's a lot. That's a lot of emotion pouring out of you. Like I startled the neighbors with my scream of, yeah, joy, bliss, relief and jubilation, relief, astonished, like 1987. That one really caught my eye. Chuck Kosel. Um I wasn't a big Twins fan back then. I remember it kind of. I was 10, 11 years old for that World Series growing up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. A lot of people around me were big Twins fans, so I'm aware of kind of what that was you know, kind of like adjacently, but I, I kind of get what he's saying. There was that kind of that upstart team in 87 that kind of came together late, won a bad division, got on a postseason roll, and next thing you know, they were world champs. 
The difference back then is you only had to win two rounds to get to the to get you know to get to be world champs. In this case, you have to win the wild card, the division series, the ALCS, and then the world series. You got to win twice as many rounds, so it's harder to advance, especially for those lower seeds. But I get his sentiment. I think the Twins are built right now to do some postseason damage and to get you know to to make this feel like this could be a run. The last few pure jubilation, elated in fuego, and like I could breathe again. I think a lot of people were holding their breath in those final moments. Griffin Jacks, one of the unsung heroes, had clean eighth inning in this game. Joan Duran gave everybody a heart attack when he couldn't figure out what was wrong with his hand. He came he came through just fine too. He he you know he he looked great once they got that sorted out. Everything came together. There were moments of stress. I think the sixth inning of Wednesday's game was probably the most stress you felt. But other than that, it was fairly clean. It felt not routine, but like the Twins belonged there and were ready to do what they needed to do. So that, to me, was pretty impressive. And like I said, before I get to Lavelle, I want to play some Kirk Cousins stuff. I, I did not go into this day or this podcast planning to use Kirk Cousins talking about the Twins, but I was out at Vikings Access today. Yes, it's been a very busy and long day, but I was out there, and he just kind of started talking about how they spontaneously decided to get tickets to the Twins game, that playoff game on Tuesday, and what it was like to be there. I want to roll, you know, this is probably like three or four questions worth of Cousins quotes, but I want to roll these right now because I think they speak to some of the energy, even from someone on the outside. It's fun for us, you know, as players to kind of, you know, be able to follow follow them in the fall while we're playing and while the practices are going to have their games on. So um, hopefully their season can go as long as possible. And uh, I was at the game yesterday. It was a lot of fun. So um, pulling for them as well. Yeah, we uh, obviously Tuesday being an off day and uh, I didn't realize how quickly the transition was from regular season to right into the playoffs to the wild card. And so while uh, we were sitting there and my wife and I noticed the game was right this afternoon and our boys nap in the afternoon and and or earlier in the afternoon, so night games are tough for us because they're in bed by then. So we thought it's perfect timing; we can bring them after their nap. You know, it's great these day games. So uh, so we just bought tickets online last minute and made our way. It was awesome. It was great. I kept sunglasses on and a hat, tried to blend in, and you know, each inning I could tell it was getting word was getting around the section, and and uh, but it was great. You know, a lot of Vikings fans, a lot of Twins fans, obviously, and uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. They loved it. Uh, ate a lot of peanuts, a lot of Cracker Jacks, and uh, I was trying to teach my older son about the game, and it was one of those moments, you know, like where you're like, I'm really doing this. I'm at a pro baseball game sitting next to my six-year-old son trying to teach him about the game, like this is what my dad did with me, like this is happening right now, you know, here we go. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, at first I was like, you know, do I want to drive in the city and put on a disguise and try, you know, and I thought, I thought, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's do it. It's the playoffs, and uh, uh, I know I'll look back and be so glad we did, and, and I was, and I am. So uh, it was awesome. It, just the energy, man. We were walking through the concourse. We got there a little bit late, walking through the concourse as Royce hit the first home run. The place just erupted, and I looked at my wife and said, is this what U.S. Bank is like when we hit a touchdown to Justin? And she said, yeah, you know, pretty much. I said, this is, this is great energy. I love this. So uh, it, was, it was also cool just to be on the other side of it. You know, I'm used to being the one on the field and to be the one in the stands. You kind of see it from someone else's perspective and kind of realize how these fans are just dying to get behind you and cheer for you. And you want to give them something to get excited about. So it was good perspective to have. Like I said, I appreciate that from Cousins. I like hearing 
teams rooting on other teams. I love it when, you know, it's playoff season for the Wolves and you see Vikings and Twins players showing up for that. You know, you same thing with the Wild. I think Hawkinson was at the Wild Games last year. Stuff like that where teams are supporting each other. And I like to hear athletes, competitors talk about the energy that they now get to experience as fans in the stands and how maybe that gives them a new appreciation. Just hearing athletes talk about sports in general can be interesting to me. So I appreciated that from Kirk Cousins. He kind of spoke, I think, for an entire fan base, even if he's just kind of coming into it a little bit new. I thought that was interesting, and I think it's reflective of the mood of everyone right now. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion, the hope, the anticipation, that incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino, let your story begin. Let's bring in Lavelle Neal III right now, Star Tribune columnist from Target Field, Another win, another narrow one. The pitching does it again. Lavelle, one run allowed in this whole series. I think a lot of the talk going in was they're going to have to hit more, and they hit a little bit. Um, they got just enough, but the pitching, Lavelle, uh, that was dominant. Yeah, the Twins have served notice with these two games. That whoever they run into uh, in the postseason is going to have to go through the pitching staff to have success. And it's going to be a point part where teams have to ask themselves two questions. One, can we score against this pitching staff? And two, if the answer is no, how in the hell are we going to win a series against them? Because uh, from top to bottom, starters going into that bullpen, everybody was on, on, on point for the most part today. You can argue, you know, Louis Varley came in and gave up two singles, but he was still throwing like 99. His fastest fastball was 99.6 miles an hour. Um, there's this fire coming out of the bullpen. Uh Rocco is stuck with Griffin Jacks uh, in the eighth inning, and he came through for the second consecutive day. And of course, you got Duran in the ninth. Um, you know, and he, he he didn't see Emilio Pagan warmed up, but wasn't used. Uh, Chris Paddock wasn't used. You know, the right. other uh, Cody Funderburg wasn't used. You know, so they're going to be super fresh the next time they come into a game. It's been um, it's been pretty impressive, and this is what happens when. You know, and once again, I just think it makes the trade, the Luis Arise trade, look more like a shrewd move because it gives them a one-two punch of um, Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray. Sonny may be the, the best number two starter in the postseason. Maybe you could argue with uh, what Atlanta's got thrown at at, at him, or um, or maybe the Dodgers and Houston too. But Gray's up there. He's had a better ERA than most of those guys this year, uh, and um, today he had to play the role of the knockout artist. He was the guy who could pitch. Uh, the Twins into the next round and not have to worry about a game three. And he did that. Uh, even though he had company on the bases, you know, they fought off six pitches in the first inning. Pitch count started rising. Um, he had two men on, I think, in each of the first two innings, had to work around that. Um, you know, but he didn't allow any runs. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a comforting thing for a team and for a fan base when they are pitching so effectively uh, you know that if you come up with a few runs, you got a chance to win games. And that's what's happened these last two uh, nights in the, in the very, very uh, energized target field. They got the two runs Wednesday, you know, in part because of a curious decision. The, the Jose Brios is dealing. He's got three shutout innings. Walks Royce Lewis to start the fourth, and there had been 
bullpen activity already. Like it, they were like looking for any reason to take Barrios out, and that walk to Lewis is it. You know, you got a lefty up next in Kepler. Kepler really foils that whole inning by by getting on base, and then they have to pitch to some righties after that, and that kind of opens the floodgates. But what did you think of the decision to remove Barrios in that case? Well, that just, you know, eventually managerial madness was going to take over in this series because managers can't help themselves to the postseason. They start ringing bells and calling bullpens and getting pinch hitters ready at the first sign of trouble. And, and uh, John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, kicked it all off in the fourth. When he ran out there, I think Brees was throwing like 75 pitches maybe, uh, something like that, and it drew, was superlative with six strikeouts and only three hits given up. He goes out there because Royce loses on first and Rocco's got two lefties up and he decides to pull out, uh, pull Brills from the game, which had to be a relief to the twins with some of the twins hitters. Rocco in turn, because we've seen it and actually he's done it earlier than the fourth inning. I think it was like in the third or maybe a second inning earlier this year, he's pitched it for someone when the opposite handed pitcher comes into the game. So uh, he had two lefties up and I'm telling uh, our Chris Carr in the press box, okay, so which which batter's getting pitch hit for? You know, and so he yeah. kept the bat, kept the gun on, but Solano was braced out there as soon as uh, uh, he could and uh, it ended up backfiring on Schneider. I thought it was one of the worst pitching removals ever. Um, after the game, he said it was because they had a plan going in and how they wanted to approach things. Um, he also used a phrase, well, you can second-guess me or the organization. Yes, we know. will do that. Yes, we will. Yeah, exactly. So once again, it wasn't managing with his with his gut or using the eye test. It was pre-planned uh, based on some freaking algorithm or some matrix that they plugged in all kinds of stats and bells and whistles that came out with take burritos out as soon as uh, the lefties come up <laughs> if a man's on base. You know, um, so the Twins will accept those gifts. And they did. And they scored two runs and ended up being the game. Two more points I want to get to before I ask you an Astros question and we get out of here. Um, the two other pivotal plays, I thought, let's start with the fifth inning when Carlos Correa and Sonny Gray team up. It's Bichette at the plate. There's two on, two out. Guerrero's at second. I think it's a full count. Like something's going to happen here. And Bichette's been really good in this series. Like this is a point where the Blue Jays can get back into the game. They pick him off. You did some kind of, you, you heard some stuff post game. Tell me more about that. Yeah, it was pretty. Once again, it was an example of uh, of Carlos Correa's high baseball IQ because it all started. And uh, Twins fans, the crowd also deserves a tip of the cap for this one because uh, Correa told Sonny Gray, you know, because of the crowd noise, that the base runners on second base cannot hear the third base coach telling them to get back to the bag. So let's keep that in mind uh, for a potential pickoff play. So um, the that situation that comes up, and you know. I don't know if I can't remember if Correa got the signal or gave the signal and it came through the dugout and went into Sonny Gray's pitch comm device. And uh, he spun and Correa, uh, Correa, uh, Correa had space between the, himself, the bag and Guerrero and took a throw, made a hell of a tag. It was a fantastic play in a big situation. And it was because of crowd noise. It was because of the atmosphere uh, at Target Field led to um, base runners on second, not being able to hear the coach telling them to get back that Carlos Correa and Sonny Gray took advantage of. I feel like that becomes part of postseason lore now. Now, one piece of postseason lore that went against the Twins, obviously 2009, the Mauer ball that was fair because he calls it foul. They referenced that on the broadcast tonight, Lavelle, when uh, Chapman hit that ball off of 
uh, field bar, bases loaded, one out in the sixth that goes foul by maybe a foot or two. That would have tied the game right there. Next pitch, ground ball, double play. I mean, those are the moments in a postseason game that you know you you kind of remember that you you replay, and those are the what ifs. All of those seem to go the Twins' way. Well, this is the thing now. Over the last uh, eighteen uh, playoff game losing streak, those plays went against the Twins, and now yes. a couple are going for the Twins. So I don't know what they did. I don't think they offered up a sacrifice to appease the baseball gods. But, you know, things are breaking their way now. And it's a combination of being prepared, being good at what you do, and putting yourself in a situation where break can go your way. And uh, the Twins have done that in these two games, and that's why they're moving on to the ALCS against the Houston Astros. ALDS, not get ahead of ourselves. They got to do. They got to win three rounds just yes, to get to sorry. just to get to the World Series. Now they got to win three rounds. Back in my day, I tell you, Lavelle, you only had to win once, and back in the Twins what? day too. Um, last thing, Astros obviously going to be formidable. They were a good team all year. They end up winning the division. They've got tons of postseason experience. My guess at the postseason rotation maybe goes. Ryan Lopez, Gray, Ober, Lopez, when I look at the rest, but g- give me your sense of what you think they'll do in this series and how competitive they can be. We actually had a conversation about that in the press box. And uh, a part of some of us wouldn't be surprised if oh, Bailey Ober's added to the roster and starts uh, their first game on Saturday because he okay. was pitching well down the stretch and they could push Ryan back if, uh, if need be and have Pablo going second game two and Sonny Gray going in game three. So uh, you can't really go wrong either way, I think. But uh, if you want to go to hot hand, it's over. So um, he actually threw in the bullpen today. Uh, we saw him throw. So he's heating up for activity. So I, I expect him, A, to be on the roster for the next series and possibly start on Saturday. Yeah, he was only not on this roster because he pitched Sunday, right? He wouldn't have been able to pitch right. in this series anyway. So that makes sense. Any. I mean, where Royce Lewis gets two more days now. Do we maybe see him at third base at some point? Because the defense isn't as good when he's at DH. And where does Buxton sit now? I don't think you're going to see Royce Lewis play third in the next series. Um, based on how he ran today, you could tell he was trying to take it easy on the hamstring. Uh, Rocco's first for, uh, worst nightmare occurred in the game when <laughs> yeah. He had, he had a slow roller down the third yeah. baseline, and Morris uh, was trying to go as fast as he could without blowing out the the hamstring. It's not a hundred percent, and I think you got to stay away from uh, risking uh, that because at third base, it's a reactionary position where you may have to explode to come in on the ball or explode to go to the one side or the other, and that could cause damage to that hamstring. Uh, as far as Buck. Um, I don't think Bug's very happy about not being on the roster, but he understands that he'd be hurting the team. Uh, sounds like he, he he was around for a little bit uh, during the post-game celebration, but was seen fully dressed leaving uh, the ballpark while some other people still celebrating. So he may be a little disappointed in the situation, or he wants to get all the sleep he can so he can come <laughs> to the ballpark tomorrow and prove that he can be on the, on the roster. So wow. um, I'm just down there because I know he, he – he, he even said like 50, 60, 70% to describe his knee. And I'm like, I can't put bucks on 70%, 80%, no. 85. Right. I, we can have a conversation maybe, but not at 70. So no. I, I'm not expecting it. Well, we'll see what, we'll see what comes of this series. Game one, Saturday in Houston, twins advance. Go read all of Lavelle's coverage and the rest of our coverage in star tribune, star tribune.com. Uh, Lavelle, appreciate it. This series win might mean you'll be hearing a little bit more from me in a couple of days. We'll see. We'll talk about that. Um, until then, though, appreciate it. Take some time, and we'll talk to you soon.
All right, take it easy. Go Twins. Appreciated that from Lavelle. Um, he's he's been just just as busy as I am, if not more, writing uh, writing throughout the game, writing writing post game columns as well. He is very busy, taking time though uh, to be part of this podcast. Appreciate it, and I'm probably gonna be tapping him on the shoulder a whole bunch more now. We didn't really know what to plan, but we got to keep this going. I'm sure we'll be doing a lot more of these special edition podcasts after these postseason games. There will not be a special edition podcast on Thursday because there's not a game three. The Twins are already advanced. There will be a regular show tomorrow. Chip Scoggins and I talking a lot of Gophers, Vikings, a little bit of Timberwolves. And I have to imagine Friday's show will be very heavy on Twins getting ready for that ALDS that starts on Saturday in Houston. Uh, Until tomorrow morning, I'm Michael Rand. Thanks for listening. Back at it again in a little while.